Listen, I, I enjoy watching uh, networks like the Discovery Channel. You know why? Because you discover stuff. I mean, they're, they're, their name is aptly applied because you can discover some really amazing things about creation and about the creator, uh, even though that's not their agenda, but nevertheless, you can draw out of that. Like, for, for example, uh, Solomon wrote many of the Proverbs with insight that he had concerning the creation, animals and, and spiders and, and, and all this stuff, and he was able to apply uh, wisdom through what God revealed to him in, in creation. Now, I, I was watching his show, and it was about a cheetah, uh, not Derek Jeetah, uh, but a cheetah, an African cheetah. Uh, those are amazing animals. I got a picture of that, if we could put that up on the screen. Uh, the, this animal is, is made for speed. It was, that's not the picture, but anyway, uh, the cheetah was, was, was designed by God for speed because I tell you what, here's some, some of the facts about a cheetah, and we're working on the picture. Uh, Joey said it's up there, so please find it. Anyway, uh, the cheetah, it has an oversized heart that pumps a tremendous amount of blood through the course of its, of its body. Uh, it, has, it has enlarged lungs and nostrils so that while it's running, it can take in as much air as, as imaginable. It, you know, if it was a car, it would be a Hemi. You know, it's, it's, it's built for speed. It's designed to be the fastest creature uh, on the planet, and, and it really is. If, if you'll notice, its spine is, is flexible and it's curved in such a way that its back legs actually become like a spring. Uh, they have a spance of, listen, 25 feet per second. A spance of 25 feet per second. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. Their eyes are extra long so that they can view and canvas their surrounding as they're running at, at full speed. Full speed, by the way, is an amazing between 60 and 70 miles an hour. And they, and they, can, they can run, listen, about 600 yards before they have to finally stop. Now, 600 yards, that's six football fields, you know? That, that, that is amazing, right? But, but, but here's the downsides of it all. At, 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 if they don't catch their prey... By 600 yards, they have to give up the chase because they are so spent and so exerting energy and strength that they become so depleted at that particular point that they've got to stop and rest. And here's the amazing thing. Even if they, even if they catch, even if they're able to catch their, their prey, they can't enjoy the lunch until, uh, until they've rested and recuperated. Now, now here, here's the... Here's the amazing part about this. At this particular point, when they're so exhausted and having been so spent, they are now vulnerable to other predators to become prey. Here's the amazing thing. Their strength is their speed, but their speed brings them to a place of exhaustion where their strength is now depleted, and now they become vulnerable. You can kind of follow along with me where I'm going with this. Because God designed us for great and awesome things. God designed man in his love. He, he, he made us, listen, we're not the fastest on earth, but we are his best. Uh, David said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
What is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you've crowned him with glory and with honor? God has put all things underneath our feet and, and to rule over creation. So God, God has made us the best. He's designed for us great things. I, I, love, I love Daniel 11.32. It says, but they that know their God shall be strong and they shall do exploits. God's destiny for us is that we would do exploits, that we would do great and awesome and mighty things. Now, now, now here, here's, here, here's the, the comparison, is that when we sometimes, listen, because, because life is a struggle, because life is a challenge, because there are difficulties and there are trials in this life, we can easily come to the place of getting exhausted, of getting discouraged, of getting overwhelmed when we become depleted with our energy. You know, trials have a way of, of really knocking the energy and the strength out of a person. And so what I want to share with you today is that same vulnerability can happen to us as, as, as designed by, by God Almighty as the cheater, as an amazing creature, and yet there's a vulnerability. And we, we are amazing, the image of God, and yet there's a vulnerability when we are depleted of strength. So, so, so what I'm saying is that we need a strength and an energy and a power that is outside of ourselves. I want you to think about it as an example. Uh, in the Old Testament, there probably was, was none greater than Elijah the prophet. You, you probably know a little bit about Elijah, right? At his greatest achievement, at his greatest moment of, of, of what you might call public success, right? He, he, he prays, and, and his prayer is to call fire down from heaven to consume the sacrifice, to prove to the Israelites that Yahweh is God, right? And so God answers by fire. Fire falls down from heaven and it consumes the sacrifice. It, it's soaking. It's, it's literally swimming in water. And, and the water, you know, God turns into, into gasoline and it just ignites. And, and it not only consumes the sacrifice, it, 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 it totally disintegrates the stones upon which the, the, this altar was built. And, and all the people, they say, whoa, they say, Yahweh, he is God, right? And, and on top of that, he slays 450. He does it himself. He slays 450 of the false prophets of Baal that were there, right? And on top of that all, right? Listen, it hasn't ended yet. On top of that all, it hasn't rained for three and a half years, and now, according to his word and according to his prayer of intercession, he prays and the sky is filled with clouds and the rain comes. It's highest achievement. You know, like the cheetah reaching tremendous ability, right? And, and, and here he is now, he's most vulnerable. He's now, he's now physically exhausted. He's mentally and emotionally spent. And he gets a message. And here's the telegram. Woe to you because, because Queen Jezebel is going to do to you what you did to the prophets by this time tomorrow. And, and he freaks out. He, 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 he runs. He begins to run. And he, and, he, and he gets to the point where he's absolutely exhausted. Here's this guy who calls fire down from heaven, now exhausted, and he's sitting underneath a tree. And he says, he says it's enough. He says, God, get me out of here. I, I'm undone. Take my life. He's, re he's ready to quit, to throw in the towel at that particular point in his life. Listen, I understand, you know, uh, what it's like to be exhausted, to, 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 be, to feel like you can't give any more, that you've given all that you can, that you feel spent. I, I think, I think we, we understand that. We've been there. We've done that. We're, we're able to rationalize 
and even justify sometimes why people quit, why people want to just throw in the towel and give up. But we weren't designed for that. We were designed for something better. We were not designed to be, to be quitters. We were designed to do exploits, to, to know our God and to, as a result of that, do exploits. And there is, there is the ability that comes from God to be able to be renewed in our strength. You know that, that great scripture that says, but they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and they'll not faint. There is a connection that happens when we can connect to God and draw from his strength. You know, I, I, was, I shared this with, with our staff uh, some, some months ago, but th- there is a survey that, that is really absolutely alarming. I mean, the, there's an awful lot of quitting that's going on all around us. 50% of pastors feel unable to meet the demands of the ministry. 90% feel that they're inadequately trained to cope with the heavy load. 70% of pastors are constantly fighting depression. 50% of pastors feel that they're so discouraged that they would leave the ministry if they could. 50% of ministers who start today and serve today will not be around five years from now. 4,000 new churches begin every year in this country, 7,000 close. Each month, last year, 1,700 pastors walked away from the ministry. But it's even worse than that because 3,500 people a day drop out of the church. So I say there's an awful lot of quitting going on. There's an awful lot of people who haven't gotten the memo that God's not designed us to quit. He's not designed us to give up, but to, but to, but to do exploits, to be strong. They that know their God shall be strong and they shall do exploits. So I got to ask the question, how does somebody like the Apostle Paul, c- compared to Elijah, who wanted to get me out of here? You know, I, 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 I'm done. I, I'm undone. You know, how, how do we compare that to, to a guy like Paul the Apostle, who absolutely refused to quit, who absolutely refused to give up, in spite of all the things that he had to endure, in spite of all of the, the pain and suffering that he went through, the imprisonment, and, and all of the difficulty that he experienced, Paul did not give up. And Paul knew hardships. I mean, think about it. He lived in a day. He, mean, he didn't have cell phone. He didn't have, you know, email, Twitter. You know, the, he, didn't have, he didn't have modern transportation, easy, tra- you know, trains and planes and all that stuff. And yet he writes in the New Testament that the gospel has gone out into all the world. The gospel was heard into all the, the Roman Empire, if you will, but it was heard in, into all the world. He, 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 he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He established churches. He raised up elders. He prayed for the sick, raised the dead. I mean, it is amazing how many things that Paul accomplished compared to, compared to the, the, those statistics that I read a little while ago of those who feel, you know what, the ministry's just too hard. And they got up and they quit and they left and they walked out. What is it about Paul that gave him such endurance? There's a, a, a list, and maybe you've read it. You know, I'm, I'm not going to read all of it. I'm just going to you know, give you the highlights of some of the things that he endured, okay? Just to kind of put it into perspective, okay? Uh, I don't think anybody, now, now certainly there's a lot of persecution that's going on in the world today. 
I mean, th- there's a lot of places like in the Middle East where, where we're hearing about Christians who are being beheaded or are being put to death for their faith in Christ. So I don't want to minimize that whatsoever. But, but by comparison in the United States, it's a piece of cake, right? But, but, but li- listen to what Paul went to. Five times, five times he received 39 lashes. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once he was stoned. He was shipwrecked a night and a day in the open sea. Didn't know if he was going to survive. Night and a day in the open sea. And then he writes about the fact that he knows what it's like to be, to be naked and to be cold, to be hungry, to be thirsty, and to, and to toil and to labor and to, and, and to you know, go through all of this stuff. And then he says, on top of all that, the care and the pressure of all the churches. The term burnout, you know, is, is not something that's unique to, to our day and time. Uh, if anybody could have been burnt out, it, it should have been Paul. You know, it, it, I mean, we would have understood if Paul said, I'm out of here. You know, just, just get me out of here. But Paul said, for me to live is Christ. To live is to live in the service of Jesus Christ. So how can we explain his, his tremendous endurance, his ability to persevere through the difficulty and the hardship of being in prison and being falsely accused by his own brothers and, 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 and people in Christ? I've got two answers. Okay, the first one is less obvious. So let me let me hit that first. The, the second one more obvious because we're talking about the sufficiency of grace. So ultimately, I'm going to get there. But but the first is less obvious, but it's also equally important. And that is that Paul had a had an eternal perspective. He the the grid through which Paul was able to view his life and his experiences in life and the difficulties of, of his experiences in life was viewed through the grid of eternal existence. And as a result of that, Paul was able to, to see what really matters. And you know what? Attitude really matters. And our attitude that is designed for us by our creator to understand that, that, that this life is just a, a blimp on the screen. You know, it, it's just a small, tiny peck in the ocean of eternity. And, and, and I, I know that life can sometimes be difficult now, but we need to put it into perspective. And this is what Paul wrote. The reason why he had such endurance. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. In other words, we don't quit. We don't give up. We don't lose the heart that God has given to us to serve. He says, though outwardly we're wasting away. Yet inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. Outwardly, we're, being, we're wasting away. Outwardly, we're all perishing. I don't know if you know this, but we're all dying. Every single one of us, from the time that we're born, we're on it. We're, we're I know you can't see it, but there is an expiration date on each and every one of us. It's appointed unto man once to die. That's the direction in which we're going. Paul says, but inwardly, inwardly, inside, we're being renewed day by day. We're being renewed by the Spirit of God. We are being made absolutely new. God is doing something, even though outwardly our old man is perishing, yet inwardly we're being renewed. For our light and momentary, I love that, our light and momentary troubles. Did you, wait a minute, did, did you? Paul, do you remember the list that you, that you came up with? Five times, 39 lashes, three times beaten with rods, once stoned, 
But he says, these are momentary troubles and they are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. That is the grid through which Paul is looking at his troubles. And because of that, he says, we fix our eyes on eternity. What really matters, matters most. Our troubles are short-term. They are temporary. But the trials that we experience and the trials that we go through actually are working for us to achieve a greater weight of glory, ultimately, because, and, and what he says is it's not even worthy of comparison with what God has in store for us, because what God has in store for us is way better than anything that we could possibly imagine. That enabled Paul to say, therefore, we do not lose heart because of that eternal perspective. In his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis wrote this. He says, good and evil both increase exponentially. That's why the little decisions you and I make every day are of such infinite importance. You see, what he's saying is this. In other words, the greatest point of leverage for you and me on eternity is today, right now, the decisions, the choices that we make. To quote Maximus Aurelius, what we do in this life echoes in eternity. I love that quote. It really is true. And so, and so what we, the decisions that we make, the, the little things that we do has a, has a powerful effect upon our eternal rewards. The second answer, which is, which is the more obvious, is because of this series, we're talking about the sufficiency of grace. And so I want, I want to tell you about Paul's understanding of grace and the practicality of this grace. It's not just something that I am to embrace in a theological way. Now, remember I said in a previous message that, that, that there are different forms of grace, that, that there is saving grace. There is, there, is also, uh, there is also sanctifying grace, which means that there's a grace that, that teaches us to deny ungodliness. Worldly lust and to live and to live justly and righteously in this world. And in other words, there's a grace that that makes us holy. There's a grace that also enables us and a grace that empowers us, and a grace that God has for us when we find ourselves absolutely depleted, spent, and on the verge of burning out. I want to share a verse of scripture with you. It is it is so overlooked. And it is one of the most powerful verses dealing with this subject of, of, of God giving us strength. So, so I want you to look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 29. It's only one verse, but it's so simple. It's easy to just read right past it and just, and just not even grasp the significance of what Paul is saying. But this is, this is what he's saying here. He says, to this end, I labor. This is the reason why I'm working. This is the reason why I am striving. And, and the reason why, in the, in the context of what Paul is saying, is so that the Colossians might be established, so that believers might come to faith in Christ, and that, and that the, those whose lives are hid with Christ in God, that they will one day appear with God. You know, so, so this is what Paul is saying. The reason why I am laboring, the reason why th- th- this is the end, this is the purpose of my labor, struggling, he says, with all his energy. Please notice that. Struggling, Paul says, striving, agonizing, literally is the word, with all of his 
energy. Whose energy is it? It's God's energy. Who's doing the struggling? It's Paul. Who's doing the laboring? It's Paul. Who's doing the preaching? Paul's doing the preaching. Paul's doing the teaching. Paul's praying for the sick. Paul is, is writing the, the, the word of the Lord. But ultimately, he says, it is God who is working powerfully in me. This is, this is the, 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 the understanding that, that Christianity is more than a philosophy it, 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 it is God living on the inside of us. It is the Spirit of God dwelling within us, strengthening us with might by the Spirit in the inner man so that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith. It's Paul who's laboring, yeah, but it's God's energy. And I'm going to show you this morning how we, how we can do that, how we can, how we can appropriate God's energy, how, how we can appropriate God's strength. Listen to this. This is Constable's expository notes. He says, the entire statement of what we just read from Colossians shows that through faith in Christ, we can link our life with a source of strength that enables us to rise above our natural limitations. Through faith, we can link ourselves to, to the source of strength and life and energy and power. God is never weary. God is never, he, God, he never faints. He never sleeps and he never slumbers. He, it, power belongs unto God. And when we link our lives unto God, there is an energy that can come to us so that we overcome our limitations so that we're able to do what is otherwise impossible to do through God's strength. So I say that the secret of Paul's success wasn't his education. It wasn't his, his, his doctrine in theology. It wasn't his eloquent speech. It wasn't his, his forceful, charismatic personality. I don't think Paul had any of that. His speech and his, and his preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom. In fact, that's what he writes to the Corinthians. He tells them, I don't know if you know this, but Paul didn't even want to go to the city of Corinth because he was afraid. Jesus appeared to Paul, and I think it's Acts 17 or 18, where, where, where Paul doesn't want to go into the city. And Jesus has to literally appear to him and say, Paul, Paul, don't worry. I've got many people in the city, and no one's going to harm you. I'm going to be with you, Paul. Oh, okay. And and, and Paul goes into the city and he says, he says, I was with you with much fear and trembling, but I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And then he says this, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith should not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Do you see what he's saying here? He's saying, he's saying I, I am the illustration. When, when we talk about the demonstration of the Spirit's power, Paul is saying, I'm the living illustration of what this looks like because I came to you in weakness and in much fear and trembling. I didn't even want to come and be here, but I, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And the demonstration of that power came through the acknowledgement of Paul's weakness. And we looked at that last week in Paul's thorn in the flesh. But this theme runs throughout the entire New Testament writings of Paul. Paul's constantly talking about, there's a power that's at work in you. God is at work in you to will and to do according to his good pleasure. God is at work in you. 
Every single believer, there is, there is a power that is equivalent to the same power that raised Christ Jesus up from the dead. That's what Paul says, that we would know what is the exceeding greatness of his power experientially that raised up Christ Jesus from the dead. And Paul is talking about that. He says, he says, our God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we're able to ask or think according to the power that is at work in you. Now, how do we tap into that power? How do we get God's energy and God's strength so that we can, we can grow? We, 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 can, we can not only survive, but we can thrive and we can grow. As we, we, we've been saying, like the acacia tree, in the most harsh and difficult of circumstances, we get our roots down deeply into God and, we, and we're able to draw from his strength and from his ability. Now, let, 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 let me share with you an illustration because I think I, I shared the principle. Here's the word. And, and the word has to back up now the illustrations that I choose. And, and I've often spoke about in the past uh, a, a woman by the name of Johnny Tata Erickson. At the age of 17, she, she, she dove into the Chesapeake Bay. She misjudged the depth of the water and she fractured her vertebrae. Instantly, she became paralyzed from the shoulders down, paraplegic. That was, that was 1967. 47 years she's been in a wheelchair. 47 years she's been in a wheelchair, but that has not stopped her from, from encouraging, from comforting, from inspiring literally thousands of men and women across this country with her story, with her perseverance, with her, with her knowledge of the grace of God. There was a, an article that appeared in Destiny magazine in which it was titled, Honesty is the Best Policy. And, and, and what she was talking about there was, was going into a restroom at a Christian woman's conference. And there in, in the restroom, you know, there was a, a bunch of women that were there. And when, and when she walked in, one of the ladies who was putting on lipstick said, oh, oh, oh Johnny, you, you always look so all together. You always look so happy in your wheelchair. And uh, she said, I, I wish I had your joy. And some of the other ladies began nodding. Yeah, we, we, we just wish we had the joy that you have. And somebody says, how do you do it? And she says, can I be honest with you? And I tell you what, when I, when I first read this story, I thought she was talking about honesty with people. But I really think she, she, she meant that, but also being honest with God. And she says, can I tell you the truth? She says, I don't do it. And let, let me tell you, she says, what my, what my day looks like. At, eight, at six o'clock in the morning, my husband Ken leaves for work. At seven o'clock, my friend comes through the door. And as she's making coffee, I begin to pray. And this is what I say. I say, God, I can't do this one more day. I don't have the strength to have my friend come in here to give me a bath, to dress me, to brush my teeth and to brush my hair because she can't do it. I don't, I don't have that strength to do that one single more day. I don't have a smile to bring into to today, but you do. Can I borrow yours? 
And she says, God, I desperately need you. And somebody asked, what happens when your friend walks through the door? And she says, she says, I turn my head and I give her a smile sent straight from heaven. She says, whatever joy you see in me today, and she looked at her legs, her paralyzed legs, she says, has been hard fought and won today. I don't know if you've ever been there where you have to fight for your joy. But if, but, if, but if you look to God and you're honest with God and you tell God, I'm desperate for you. I can't do this another day. God will give you joy and God will give you strength and he'll give you energy. This is, this is what she said. I have a quote. She says, I have learned that the weaker we are, the more we need to lean on God. And the more we lean on God, the stronger we discover him to be. Have, have, have you learned how to lean on God? Have, have you realized that leaning on God is, is more than mentally, emotionally putting your weight on God? It is, it is a, a day-by-day, moment-by-moment dependence on God for grace and for strength to help in a time of need. And, and, and your need may be moment by moment and it may be daily to come to God, to give you strength, to give you, to give you the energy that you don't have because you, you've been depleted. Like the cheetah, you've, you've, you've run the, the race and you don't have any more, but you're honest with God. And you, and you could say to God, God, I just feel desperate for you right now. So how do you know? How do you know that God's grace is actively working in you and through you? For Johnny, it's, 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 it's possessing a joy that exceeds the pain of having somebody ha- having to brush your teeth and brush your hair. How do, you, how do you know that grace is working in you? When you are slandered and you return forgiveness instead of, retaliation. How do you know that grace is, is working in you when, when, when you suffer, but you patiently endure that suffering? How do you know, how do you know that the great grace of God is actively working in you? It's when you can't, but you don't quit because, because God gives you strength for that day one more time, one more day. Divine energy divine strength working in us. This is the only, this is the only way that Paul could, could, could say, we do, we, therefore we do not lose heart because God was giving him strength. God was giving him the ability to come to the end of himself in the beginning of God's power. This is the secret of the Christian life. This is Christ living in us, the, the hope of glory. This is the spirit of God dwelling in us moment by moment, giving us what we need. There was a, an article titled, My, Make excuse me, Body Language Work for You. The psychologist in Harvard Business School professor Amy Curdy says that her research indicates that a power pose 
can infuse a person psychologically, emotionally, and even physically with greater confidence and energy. This is what she says. The pose requires making oneself big, looming, standing tall, legs and arms outstretched. And then the article says, think of Superman and Wonder Woman, right? Such physical postures actually, she says, stimulate testosterone, which is, which is the, you know, strength hormone, right? And decreases cortisol, which is the stress hormone, right? And then she goes on to say she believes that simply striking a power pose can infuse you with confidence and self-assurance that you need to achieve your goals. And she suggests trying this the next time you go for a job interview or you have a speech to make or some other important meeting. <laughs> I don't think so. If you're a child of God, listen, let me, let me tell you, the, the power pose for us, you know what the power pose for us is? On our knees. I said this, I think it was last week. I said, the crisis that we win is not in life. The crisis that we win is on our knees. And we look to Jesus as the example of one who fell to the ground and he began to intercede, he began to pray. And we know the outcome of that, that, that Jesus came away with courage and he came away with strength because God met him and gave him grace. And if he needed grace and strength to do what God called him to do, then don't you think that in the, the different levels, you know, I, I mentioned before about ministry, but if you're a housewife and a mother, that's your ministry. If you go to work, five, six days a week. That's your ministry. We're all serving God in some capacity. It's not just those in fivefold ministry that we're talking about. No, no, life is tough for everybody. But God has grace for those who ask. And here's the, here's the amazing thing. Is that in this posture of humility before God in childlike trust and confidence and faith toward God, what a child does is he declares his dependence on, on his parent. That, that, that's what we are doing. You see, the, the person without God hates the idea of being dependent on God. In fact, that's one of the, the motivations behind original sin in the first place, that, that you don't have to be dependent upon God. But we who become childlike in following Jesus, who become followers of Christ, we, we actually glory, we actually boast in our dependence on God. And some people who don't understand will say, hey man, that's a crush, a crutch. You're leaning, you know, on, on something for support. Yes, I am. I'm leaning on the everlasting arms of God who will not fail me. That's the pose that we need to take. That's the posture that we need to have. Because I tell you what, troubles are inevitable, but it doesn't mean that we have to burn out. Difficulties and trials are absolutely a part of the, a part of the process of being conformed to the image of God's Son. But that's why grace is sufficient for us in every circumstance and in every situation. So our takeaway this morning is simply this, grace means that God's strength is enough. Do you need strength this morning? Do you need energy? You need grace. 
And God gives grace unto the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, underneath the mighty hand of God, that in due season, he'll raise you up. He'll lift you up. Because that's his will. He provides us with grace. Can we pray? So, Father, we thank you once again this morning for this series and the knowledge of your grace, O God, that is sufficient for us in every circumstance and in every situation that we would be furnished, Lord God. Our God is able to supply us so that in every circumstance we would have more than enough. And we thank you today, Lord God, that your grace is for us enough to give us the strength that we need to overcome to not quit, to not give up. Therefore, we do not faint. We do not give up. You hold us in the palm of your hand. And I I just want to pray for those that are here this morning that feel like, they feel like Johnny. They feel like the discovery today is to, to learn how to lean on God moment by moment. And if, and if you're here this morning, I, I just want to lift up your needs before God as you agree with me in prayer. So Father, I pray for, for those that are here today that are going through stuff. We're all either going through, are in, or have just come out of troubles or trials, but we put it in, into an eternal perspective. We, we view it through the grid of eternity and we say with Paul, these are light and momentary troubles but they're working for us. And God, you work all things together for the good to those that love you. And and I know, Father, it's easy to say they're not worthy of comparison, but that's the perspective that we want to have. That's the revelation that we need to understand that, God, you're at work in us to will and to do according to your pleasure. And there is a power, a strength that supplies us with an internal strength that's greater than Superman or Wonder Woman. It, it, it begins with our humbling ourselves before you. And so we humble ourselves before you now. Lord, would you release your grace in, in greater measure to those that are in greater need right now and encourage their hearts? In Jesus' name we pray.